you know, both so many people have fallen in love with the Premier League and, and, and great guys all around that are big supporters and have always been good friends and colleagues. I mean, the likes of Jobo and, uh, you know, a Yonker. And, and I'm, I'm sure a Premier League fantasy league would be a fun thing. I just have conceptual problems with fantasy football, uh, not just fantasy Premier League football. Well, what, what are your biggest concerns other than the fact that you told me you wanted to pick all wolves? Well, I want to pick all wolves for one very specific reason. I like I think back to the last time I played American fantasy football and the NFL was, I don't know, maybe could have been the year that the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl uh, under John Gruden. And I, I think back to watching that entire season and, and being just brutal with all my colleagues at work about, you know, the head-to-head competitions day after day. And it came down to the very, very last week of the season, week 17 in the NFL season. And what's strange about that is it's such a garbage throwaway day for most NFL teams as they rest their starters. In the case of the Buccaneers, I mean, they were resting Trent Dilfer in this case. And I believe it was Sean King, the, the Tulane Green Wave former quarterback back that was in and he throws an interception that's a pick six and it was charged against my defense the Buccaneers defense and to this day I won't let it loose I, I don't know I mean it's it's interesting I did La Liga fantasy uh, for the past couple of years it's kind of interesting I just don't know if fantasy sports truly translates I feel like fantasy NFL American football it, it, they've got it dialed in but this fantasy Premier League it's a little tough because the metrics are so weird that it's like, how are you really choosing uh, who really gets points? I, I don't know. I, all I got to say is, is I'm not the biggest fan of Leicester City, but I think I'm going to pick Jamie Vardy. Of course you will. But but my thing here is this. I, I <laughs> typically want to take a player like Eric Dyer or something like that. There's no personal sensibility to that to be greedy about wanting to rack up points and and that's why if if we did this the only way i would do it is going just all wolves and i know you've already said you're going to lose because right the numbers aren't there to win but i'd like to see how wolves stack up in fantasy football against the rest of the premier league well maybe i'll just go all spurs especially if they can pull off gareth bale and so lawrence quickly going into actual soccer instead of fantasy soccer mm-hmm. uh, and maybe whatever everyone's fantasy is what do you think man messy it's getting messy i know you weren't expecting that pun from me what what where where the hell are these guys going to land where is bail going where is where is messi going well let's start with the concept of why messi would be going anywhere and what the mechanism would be and i i've got to say i mean this is very high priced labor but i'm always pro labor in my thoughts and i i just can't believe that during a pandemic they wouldn't file paperwork that would have enacted his ability to have more free reign here because it would have been being anti-team. So it's damned if you do, damned if you do, if you're in Messi's camp because he can't file that paperwork in the time frame that would have been the normal framework. So the season ends, they file the paperwork, and now to get out of the contractual obligations, it would mean going to court to prove that the couple of months had shifted i don't see how it's fair to him at all i stand with messi on this one because filing the paperwork before they came back to play would have just meant that he'd already made a decision essentially and all the teammates would be like well so are you here or are you not it didn't seem like a fair construct to him from the jump 
if he had filed the paperwork in the time period that was when the dates said to do it. But reality and circumstances didn't match. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in principle, and I agree with you with the fact that Messi at this point should be allowed to do really kind of whatever he wants. I think he's definitely earned that by being the greatest player in the world. My thing is, though, I think Barcelona is just trying to hold out to get something. They don't think they're going to get $700 million. But you know what? If they can get 150 or something from Man City or Man United or whoever, PSG, whoever is going to get Messi, I mean, I mean, they need it. Um, I think that I don't want to say they deserve it because you're right. I'm also pro labor, even like you said, when that labor is worth $100 million a year. But, you know, the team needs something to help push it to rebuild because as I've said before, Barcelona fans and fans of football are not going to allow Barcelona to be mediocre for three or four years. I mean, they need to be good this year. And also this Messi thing hinges on, okay, well, what are we going to do about everybody else? I mean, Messi is, of course, a major component of that team. But where does Suarez go, right? Where What happens to Vidal? Uh, we've already seen Rakitic go. Um, and so it's like they have to figure out what they're doing. And as you know, the deadlines come closer and closer, it's going to be interesting to see the scramble at the very end to see where all these guys go. Because it seems like as confusing and um, unsure as this transfer window is for all the other teams, I mean, we're talking what has been Barcelona for over a decade. How is this going to play out? Yeah, I, I guess the benchmark probably is the Neymar transfer. And, and I don't know, it was like 220 million euros to PSG. So anything less than that doesn't seem right. I know global circumstances are obviously changed. And just the, the model of what we have to now recalibrate to because they're not fans in the stands like there had been though as we watch lagoon on bn sports there there are people there I, I, this is going to be very fascinating to see in america what leagues do i mean you're already seeing nfl's um planning for the first game they're only speaking about the first game in any venue and uh, there's a couple of teams still hanging out that they could have fans in the stands but uh the vast majority it seems like are not planning on week one in the nfl after no preseason games having fans in the stands but uh i i think scenes in europe are very different than scenes here for obvious reasons i i guess the benchmark though that we were just saying is got to be a transfer fee that would supersede that of neymar I, no, even given the situations wouldn't you agree I, I don't know i mean i guess that that makes logical sense but th the logic has been thrown completely out the window this whole idea of how transfer fees work in world soccer as opposed to what we're used to here in the united states with our sports it's just so what's bizarre or the reason that this happens is because you're not dealing with one league right when you talk about the world of american football you talk about the nfl when you talk about the world of basketball even though there are leagues all over the world there's only one league that really matters and that's the nba but in soccer, because you have all this parity and you have all these different leagues, it's like I do understand the fact that these teams have to have some mechanism to protect themselves. Because if not, it would be the Wild West. Because financial fair play is non-existent. I mean, I, I don't even get the term because there is no fair play. But I also have to respect the fact that you know, these owners do sink 
hundreds of millions of dollars into these players and for them to be able to just walk away it's tough it's again i don't want to be the guy who's always on the owner's side because i'm not in no way shape or form but i also feel like you know they should let messi go i think that the contract was written in the spirit that messi should be able to go for free but i feel really bad that barcelona is going to be left holding the bag in in honestly they had a they had a they had a rough season by their standards but they're by no means bad they're by no means terrible and i i also think it's a little unfair from messi's camp i think it's a bit of an overreaction because you know they were okay they weren't terrible and messi is acting like that they're now like going to be relegated you know it's like no they're still the second best team in in la liga they're still a knockout stage Champions League team that is on the brink of doing something great with an addition of a couple of players. So uh, we'll see, right? I guess that's the best analyst we can do. You know, we'll see because, you know, his dad today is in Barcelona meeting with officials, seeing how this is going to work out, which is also another weird aspect of this. You know, being a guy who's Mr. Youth Soccer, I find it funny that soccer dads exist even at the highest level. So, it's all wait and see. You know, we still have Rodriguez. Of course, I always mention Bale. We have all these other guys. Meza Ozil, like what will ever happen to him? Is he just going to live another year on the bench at Arsenal? Um, it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks to kind of see where everybody uh, everybody lands. Meanwhile, while Chelsea buys everything and we wait to see how Liverpool manages that change in the waters as Man City still has not had their final word and heck, Man United may still have some uh, tricks up their sleeve, but now we bring you the discussion that goes beyond the puns that we had at the beginning of the uh, Barca conversation, because really beyond Griezmann, I guess you'd have to ask the question. It's really not a push, but uh, you're the one for me, Fatih. I have to say that it is time. Woo! It's time for that football downtown! Football in Inglés and Mazatlan with some Here we great... Go game magic and I mean like beyond the point of thinking that something could get done to tie that game against Tigris Tigris they I, I don't know it's maybe being like uh, too ingrained now something psychological about letting goals in that late in matches what is happening there for Tigris I don't know you're right Tigris just seems to be kind of sleepwalking through the season and you know they're good you know that Tuca knows how to manage that team but they're just not quite getting it done. I mean, you know, you got guys like Leo Fernandez who probably should be getting more playing time. Uh, you know, they've had issues between the sticks, both because of COVID and just because of lackluster play. I, I don't know. I mean, Tigris is still a, a good team. They're still a playoff team. And I wonder if they're just basically saying it's not worth us killing ourselves to get in the top four. Let's just try to work on finding a rhythm and stay competitive but yeah that that was that was huge for Mazalan. i mean they're still not quite in the playoff picture but they're close i mean the whole table is close and and i'm just happy that Mazalan is not just a doormat you know even atlas i'm just happy that all of these teams are competing and they all have an outside chance of getting into the playoffs uh, so yeah, I love the parody, but no, I'm not very impressed with Tigris right now. Well, you know, America has Mazatlan 
in Mexico City on what will be this Wednesday as we tape this in the evening. And that starts a full several days of action that we should unfold. And America getting back better to form uh, in in the last match. You know, Ochoa with one of these saves that was just like, what in the world? How in the, had he trapped the ball under him that that kept this thing actually, in the end, uh, not a draw and an America victory that propels them into this matchup with Mazatlan. But now you can't underestimate Mazatlan. Look forward to seeing that. And then Thursday, as we look forward to all the rest of the week of action, you know, two teams that took a step back. I mean, here, look, we may be poisoned, Bo. We say on the last show we're on the Toluca train, and then Toluca, you know, derails <laughs> just a bit. But, uh, you know, I, in Ruben Sambuesa, we trust, and they are visiting Carataro. And I think Toluca, if I had to say, gets back to the kind of football they had been playing and makes this more of a legitimate push toward the playoffs for themselves because if you can't beat Kertaro, and I know Kertaro has had some nice victories this season, if you can't beat Kertaro when you know you need to, I don't know if you're going to beat the larger clubs. That's a that's a good point. I agree with that. But I also think that like Kerataro and Toluca have proven that they are good teams. They have the ability to play really good soccer. And so we can't just look at these teams and when they falter say, well, you know, we were wrong. I'm not, I'm not ready to just say Kerataro is not a team with a lot of class. I'm not ready to say that Kerataro is not a top eight, top six team. Uh, I'm definitely not going to say that about Toluca. I think Toluca is a top four team, but I think that they're learning how to win. I also think that as the transfer window closes in Mexico, we're going to see what little additions these teams need to make um, to help them make those next steps. You know, that's what you see in some of these teams. Some of them are driven by one or two stars, but they, they need help in their back line. Other guys need somebody who can help score. And so it'll be interesting to see if Kiritaro in the last minute can, can pull something together and kind of get somebody to help them put the ball in the net. Because if they could just have that little push, um, they're not that far out of it. I mean, you know, they get a win. They're putting themselves back in the top 10. They get two wins in a row. They're going to be in that top four. Um, because, you know, teams like Pumas and Monterey, and as you mentioned, America, they're streaky too. They look great, and then they lose. And so, you know, it. I don't want to say it's anybody's game because there are certain things that will happen. Atlas is not going to suddenly turn it around and be in the top four, right? And Cruz Azul is not going to completely fall apart. They're going to be a top four team. But other than that, like most of these teams have the ability to get streaky. They have the personnel to be able to pull off a couple of wins. Again, I still think 15, 16 points get you into the playoffs. And there's basically 18 out of the 18 teams that have the ability to get that amount of points. Now, would you make some concession at this point that Monterey has probably turned the corner having two straight victories and a couple of draws before that, that that maybe just now it is coming more into focus for them because, you know, they're not winning convincingly, and you're right, they are streaky, but when you look at the Friday matches ahead, you know, you, you got two teams that really seem to be maybe finally turning the corner here, that being Monterey and Santos both in action. Monterey uh, at Tijuana and uh, Santos Laguna at Juarez. But uh, I'm not going to touch the Nacoxa Kings of Leon match that uh, starts everything on Saturday, or I should say Friday, pardon me. But but this specifically Monterey, are you seeing the right signs of life from them? I, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit more of a concerted effort to play defense. You are correct. 
and Monterey has looked more organized. And Mohamed has definitely done a better job of putting his best team on the field. However, and you even mentioned the Kings of Leon against Nacoxa. You know, we're going to learn a lot uh, on these games because, look, we were just talking before. We were talking about Barcelona, and we're talking about the fact that Messi is basically saying, look, we're a dumpster fire. And it's like, well, you were second, and you did get pretty far in Champions League. So let's pump the brakes on being awful. Yet we give these teams so much, you know, we're like, oh, Monterey, you know, two, two straight wins. They must be, you know, Monterey... Teams like Monterey and Cruz Azul and America should be dominating. There should be no question, right? They, they you know, Monterey shouldn't be 3-3-1, three, three and one, right? Monterey should be like 6-1-0, and zero, right? And, and so these, these things aren't happening. So I don't think that there's any team that we can just say like, oh, they figured it out. They've really turned it around because nobody has just impressed me as a true dominant force except for maybe Cruz Azul. And then, you know, you look at teams like the Kings of Lyon. Like, yeah, Lyon has played some great soccer, but, you know, they haven't just come out and dominated everybody. They still have two draws. They still have the loss. And, you know, then you have teams like Nacoxa. You know, I want to see what Nacoxa can do because they have surprised a lot of people. As soon as you think that they're too disorganized, too mediocre to pull off a win... They come out and they get a win. And, you know, Santos Laguna was at the very bottom of the table a couple of weeks ago. Now they're sitting at 11th, but th their problems definitely aren't solved. So I don't think it's very easy in Liga MX to be like, Team A has turned it around because I've yet to see that proof. None of these teams have proven that they are far and above better than everybody else in the league. All right, uh, and I had gotten confused a second ago because there's no Sunday action this weekend ahead. It's just Friday and Saturday with three matches each on Friday and Saturday. So uh, I end the week with the Saturday match and the 7 p.m. slot is Tigris Chivas. And and Guadalajara, it's, it's becoming like so obvious that there's goal scoring potential that's simply not being met. And I mean, that's such an obvious read to have right now, but something has to unlock this. Or I'd almost go as far to say, I know there's a lot of potential and a lot of excitement around that Macias could be a player in Europe one day. But, uh, you know, I came into the season saying this to you, and it's not to denigrate or say anything other than I'm just not seeing it. I, and I don't, I, I know where the talent is, and I know it's a lot of, about service that's not being given and an attack style that's not being driven to what he can do to do what he does best. They're not scoring goals, and it's just like, at least with Tigris, who they'll be facing on Saturday, even though it seems lackluster, Gignac still scores. Like, I, I, I guess my problem when watching Guadalajara is I don't see where anything that's positive kinetic energy is necessarily coming from especially in the goal scoring department yeah guadalajara is just finding that whole team is built around finding excuses on why they are not winning games uh i thought that game against pachuca was very telling because i feel like the tuzos actually you know they've kind of been able to get together this team that's not actually that bad you know and they are always looking for excuses on how to win, right? They're always trying to look for an edge in which they can pull off these wins. I mean, their games are always close, but you know what? They're always in them. And Guadalajara just looks like, 
Well, you know, it's it's they're the team that wants to blame everything on everybody else. There's always some outside reason that they are not winning. But the reason they're not winning is because they're just not playing that well. And, you know, they have the players, right? Uh, and then, you know, these two guys get suspended. And, you know, I mean, it's just like it's it's such a God, it's so disorganized. And you always think they're on the cusp of figuring it out but they've yet to figure it out. So yeah, once again, this weekend, we'll see which Guadalajara team shows up. You know, I, I want them to do well. You want them to do well. Everybody wants Guadalajara to be competitive because again, that's good for the league, right? That's just like, they're they're a team like like the Lakers or, you know, a, a, a team that like everybody likes to see do well, even if you don't like that team because you, when your team beats them, you want it to mean something, right? And so we all want Guadalajara to be able to be a little bit more stable. But right now, they're definitely the last word I would use to describe them is stable. And with that, with one of the most stable co-hosts that I know in all the world of soccer talk, Bo Byerly, <laughs> I'm Lawrence Scott. Thanks so much for listening.